So, we are in Ephesians. We have gotten two Sundays in, and then last week we uh, called it because of the snow. So, it was supposed to be me, and now it's me tonight. Um, So, I'm going to be talking about the same passage that Mike did two weeks ago, and just giving a different perspective on it. So, we are... uh, doing Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, and we're covering this twice because this passage is one of those hot topic passages in the Bible that people get really worked up about. And um, so the the deal with this, and, you know, and Mike talked about it, so if you didn't hear that, go back and on the podcast and listen to it. He explained... Um, all this stuff very well. Um, so his his uh, title was predestination. What's your station? Um, and predestination is the is the hot issue in this passage that people like to argue about. So um, so I'm going to cover it again. Um, so for intro, I guess you know why predestination is a big deal, or what what gets people worked up very sort of generally, is that the idea of predestination is that God chooses us. That's sort of the the theme that people like to argue about. Um, So there's a guy named John Calvin. He was sort of the first guy that kind of, probably not the first guy, but sort of the first guy who sort of put a name to this. So you might hear, you might have heard people refer to Calvinism. That's based on John Calvin, and that's the idea that God chose us in his sovereignty and that we don't really have a say in the matter. Well, yeah, anyway. So then there's another guy. His name is Jacob Arminius, and you might have heard of a thing called Arminianism. And Arminianism is the idea that we chose God. So these are the two things. And uh, so, yeah, it's fun, fun stuff. Uh, So, you know, where you go for things is to the Internet. And this is what the Internet has to say about Calvinism and Arminianism. I don't know why it cut off his eyes or his head in this picture, but that was the one that I found. So again, if he is predestined, then, you know, God knows exactly what the deal is. Um, Again, talking about God knows things before we knew it, so he foreknew. So this one... Kind of the the two opposing sides on this are like the Presbyterians and the Baptists are sort of the main kind of people. Presbyterians are the Calvinists and the Baptists are the Arminianists, sort of. Um, So Baptists say, no dancing, it's of the devil. My mom's uh, wee Scottish granny used to say to them, first the heel, then the toe. A whirling down to hell you go. No dancing. 
So anyway, I liked this one. This one made me laugh. Therefore, choreographed. So dancing's okay. Obviously, if you're a Calvinist, you can dance. Well, maybe you can dance, but you're able to dance. So, again, hot topic when you talk about predestination. So this is me living dangerously tonight, talking about this. Uh, I liked this one. This one was fun. Uh, there you go. Just going with the meme. Another one of John Calvin there. Picture of him. So this is the, the passage that we'll be studying tonight. <laughs> All you single folks can pull this one out whenever you need to. Uh, hey, everybody. This guy's a supra-meta-infralapsarian, semi-pelagic, quasi-Arminian, hyper-Calvinist, leaky dispensationalist. See? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. This one's a deep cut. Uh, I'm not going to explain that one if you don't get it. Look it up. It's a good one. See, it's like this. God wants to save everybody, but can't. Because man's free will is too powerful and overrides God's will. And even though predestination is in the Bible, it's a lie and really means free will. Everybody got that? Cool. This one's also one of my favorites. And sorry, man. I can't give you free will. I'm not powerful enough to give you free will and still be sovereign. Um, so that's kind of how I feel about it. But anyway, just some silliness that you find on the Internet when you go down that rabbit hole. Um, so, yeah, we're going to look at this passage again tonight. Um, so, yeah, read along with me. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity, with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession 
to the praise of his glory. So over the last, I don't know, three, four weeks, whatever, since I was found out I was going to preach on this, I've read this passage a hundred times, probably more, I don't know. Um, and yeah, you just get lost into rabbit, into rabbit holes. Just there's so much in here. It's so dense of a passage. There's all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, and then you start looking things up, and you get caught up in these arguments of Calvinist versus Arminianist. You know, and they're all very good. They're all very well thought out, and yeah. So I'm like, well, okay, what am I gonna, what am I gonna tell you guys about tonight? And uh, I was writing stuff down, just trying to get stuff out of my head. And um, I wrote down as I was reading through all these things. I, was, I just wrote down. I write, God's direction is towards us, and that's kind of where we're gonna camp on this for tonight. Um, so wherever you side on the Calvinism versus Arminianism thing, don't come and argue with me about it because I don't care. Where we're going to talk about tonight is God's direction is towards us. It's kind of a weird way to say that, but that's just what stuck in my head. Um, and if you look at this passage, like I, I think that's what Paul was trying to get across. Like... God's direction is towards you. Like the creator of the universe has as a focus you. Um, so we're just going to kind of go through this. Verse 3. Uh, okay. Praise be to God who has blessed us. He has blessed us. Verse 4. He chose us. Verse 4, the end of verse 4, that we would be holy and blameless. That's a gift he gives us, is to be holy and blameless in him. Verse 5, he predestined. There's that word, um, which basically just means he has decided before we were around whether, you know, what we were going to do towards him. But again, if you look at it as his direction is towards us, then... He's chosen you. Um, verse 5, he has adapted. He has chosen to adopt us. And Mike talked about that last week or two weeks ago um, about adoption in the Roman world. But even in the modern world from some friends that I know who've adopted kids, you cannot disown an adopted child. Or it's very, very difficult to do that. Like, that's a huge statement for God to say we are adopted. Um, or for Paul to say that we are adopted as sons of God. Um, your own kids, you know, when they go off to college, you just sell the house and move and don't tell them. You know, but your adopted kids, you cannot disown them. It's an extremely difficult process. Like, that's cool. That's crazy to me. I don't know. Like, anyway. He has adopted us. Verse 6, which he has freely bestowed on us, his grace. He has given us his grace. Uh, verse 7, 
We have redemption through his blood. Verse 7, we have the riches of his grace. He has given us the riches of his grace. Verse 8, he lavished on us. Verse 9, he made known to us the mystery. What's the wording up there? He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. Verse 11, we have an obtained we have obtained an inheritance. He has given us an inheritance. So going back to the adopted thing, um, originally, or not originally, but back when, adoption was sort of, for people who couldn't have kids or who couldn't have an heir, they would adopt a child so that they could legally pass on whatever, an inheritance, their fortune, their name, like whatever in that thing. So God has adopted us so that he can pass that on to us. Oh, and this this whole passage, um, Paul jumps around a, a little bit here and there. So he talks about the Father, he talks about Christ, and he talks about the Holy Spirit. It's the full triune God in this passage. Um, and there's there's various different things to each um, Father, Son, Holy Spirit that he, he talks about in this passage. Um, verse 9, made known to us the mystery. Also, verse 9, he gave us his kind intention, which he purposed. Uh, verse 11, Again, in him we have obtained an inheritance. Verse 11, also, we are predestined according to his purpose. Again, verse 13, 13, we are sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14, given as a pledge, guaranteeing our inheritance. Are you picking this up? Like, Paul is saying God is doing this for us. And that's why I don't, I don't really, I mean, I brought up the Calvinism versus Arminianism thing because it's fun. Um, but what Paul is getting at here is God has given this stuff for you. He has done these things for you. Wherever you believe you fall in that, you know, that's kind of your thing. But um, some of these can kind of go together, and there's probably even some more, but I counted up 15 times in 11 verses where God's direction is towards us. He has given us all these things. Oh, I didn't. Oops. Um, I don't know. I think that's pretty rad. So if you start living, I guess, in that, in the idea that God's purpose, God's direction is towards us. What does that do for you? How does that make you live? What does that help you do in this life on this earth? Um, Another good verse. You all know this one. And again, God's direction is towards us in this verse. This verse gets used by the by the other team, by the Arminians a lot. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And God so loved the world, not God so loved the Jews or God so loved the good people or God so loved the Christians. It's God so loved the world. And again, so whatever side of the fence you fall on in this free will versus predestination thing, what you should see here more than those arguments is God's will or God's direction is towards you. Um, if you look at both of these passages. Um, so, what do you do with that? I have a few things here that I've thought up, but um, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave this question up there. For you guys to think about. If the God of the universe, the God who created all things, if, you're, if you believe that, and his direction is towards you, then if that's true, what does this allow you to do? Um, sky's the limit, if you ask me. Um, so, you know, Jesse... Well, it was a while ago now, but you've probably heard him say it and other people say it, you know, about leaning in. We talk about leaning in here a lot, lean into God, lean into community, lean in. It's good. It's a good thing. Well, this is, this is the opposite end of that, of God leaning into us. And Paul is just nailing that point home here in this passage. So, um, so what does this allow you to do? It allows you to worship. I'm going to go back here. Verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Worship. Verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace. Verse 12. In order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. In verse 14, he ends this section with worship to the praise of his glory. Um, that's a good place to start all this stuff. If, if, uh, if God is leaning into us, if his direction is towards us then a good place to start is worship of him. Um, beyond that, this passage gives us security in our faith. Um, you know, in Romans, it says, you know, if God is for us, who can be against us? You can do crazy things and not have to worry about God abandoning you. That's those. These are human things that we deal with, realities. You know, um, some of you have probably grown, grown up that way. Some of you might still be experiencing those things of "I am not good enough for God." Well, you know what? Get over it because none of us are. So, um, God's direction is towards me. So now I can worship Him. And I am secure in that fact to move forward in my life 
to do whatever he wants me to do. Um, I don't have to be afraid of the people of in the world who don't like Jesus. I don't have to worry about being unpopular or whatever. Like, I'm secure in the fact that God is for me. Um, this passage can take away shame. That I am not good enough. I did a lot of bad stuff in my life. Cool. I did a lot of bad stuff too. Um, but God's direction is towards me. And that, you know, like, yeah, I have to deal with the bad stuff. I have to live with some regret sometimes, but I can kind of move past it and be like, okay, um, I don't have to carry shame of my past moving forward. Um, and it can give us the freedom to do his work. Um, yeah, if you believe this, if this is true, then, as I've heard said, basically, you're invincible until God takes you home. Now, don't go jump off a building trying to test that. But it basically means I have the freedom to not live in fear and to do what God has asked me to do. Um, for some of you, that might be a first step. God has asked you and is saying, believe in me. You have the freedom to do that. And you can cast off the shame. You can cast off the insecurity of your, of whatever, your childhood, of your <laughs> early years, early adulthood, whatever. You can cast all those things off and you don't have to be afraid to make that decision to follow Christ and to follow the God of the universe. Um, for those of you who are further down that road, uh, if you, yeah, if you're invincible, if you believe in God's sovereignty and that he's got you, um, then you can do any manner of things. You can go places and tell people about Jesus. You can give your money freely as God has called you to give it trusting in the promises that he has given us about money. Um, I don't know. Any, any number of things. Um, so, yeah. Think about that question when you look at this passage and as we even continue in Ephesians, there's going to be more of this stuff that's going to pop up. And even, you know, when other stuff comes up, when you hear scripture, like, look at it through this lens. You know, this is God's direction is towards me. And so then what is this saying to me? Like, in this 
you know, in this Ephesians passage, we're sealed in him. We're protected. Um, we're given a deposit of his Holy Spirit um, to be able to move forward. We are... Oops. We have redemption. That's a word we like around here. Is basically God can redeem anything. He has raised people from the dead, including himself. So he can take care of the bad stuff you did when you were in college or whatever. Um... That's it. That's what I got on this one. Short and sweet. So, we're going to go into a time of communion now. And once again, this is Jesus who gave us these things for our benefit. He gave us a physical representation. Something that we can hold in our hands something that we can taste, something that we can put into our body. It's not just a think happy thoughts. It's like, here's a thing that represents my body being broken, being stabbed, being crushed, and going to the cross to pay for all the bad stuff you've ever done. Here is some drink, wine or grape juice. We use grape juice. Here is some drink that represents the, the blood that Jesus spilled that washes our sins and cleans everything we ever did. Um, so yeah, we're going we're gonna to do it how we do it sometimes where people are going to come up and take communion, and then you're going to serve the person behind you. And you take the bread and say, this is the body of Christ, broken for you. And you hold the cup, you dip the bread in the cup, and then you say, the blood of Christ shed for you. Um, and then we'll just turn and go down the line, and, and you uh, serve communion to the person behind you. The band's going to play some songs, or a song. And, yeah. Ponder this question this week um, and see where you get with it. And then if you want to come and tell me those things, I would love to hear that kind of stuff. But I don't want to argue Calvinism. (laughs) Um, So yeah, let me pray for us and then we'll enter into our time of communion. Heavenly Father, thank you for everything you've given us. Thank you for what you do for us every day. Thank you for Denver, for Colorado, for this beautiful place which we live. Lord, your creation is a gift. um, And the beauty uh, that you have made for us in this place for us to live. God, we ask now that um, 
our minds could be set on you and that we would feel your love as we take these elements during communion and that we would understand the sacrifice that you made for us. Amen.